Welcome to the Social Pros Podcast, the content marketing awards winner for best marketing podcast. This is where we shine the spotlight on real people doing real work in social media and learn the social secrets of the world's most interesting brands. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your social better. Emma, which provides innovative email marketing tools that drive brilliant results. Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers with integrated solutions for social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. And Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors. With Yext, update your location data once and publish it to your website, apps, over 100 publishers, including Google, Apple Maps, Facebook, Bing, and Yahoo. That's the power of location. That's Yext. Your Social Pros co-hosts are Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to episode 241 of Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined, as usual, by my special Texas friend. He is the senior executive strategist and all-around genius for Salesforce Marketing Cloud. He hails from the great state of Tennessee, but now... He resides in Austin, Texas. He is the man, the myth, my favorite co-host, Mr. Adam Brown. Jay, thank you for those nice words. So great to be with you. And wow, congratulations, 241 episodes. I'm, I'm so honored and humbled to have been a little part of a subset of that. But that is, that's just, that's just, just, just such an impressive number. Um, it's a lot of shows, how- man. We're coming up uh, in just, I don't know, a couple months. By the time this airs, we're coming up on five years of this show. And actually, fun fact, I don't think I told you this yet. Um, this past month would have been uh, September for the month. The all-time record for most downloads of the show. That is, that's absolutely incredible. So, and we, we only have one person to thank for that, and is, that is, of course, our, our listeners. Man, they are great. I know they're sending us great emails with their thoughts and comments. It's great to hear from, from everybody, isn't it? We appreciate it. Yeah, I always say at the end of the show, but I'll say at the beginning this time, uh, send me an email, just my actual email address, j at jbear.com. Uh, don't send me any sort of like Kickstarter appeals or Nigerian Prince scam, but we would love to hear uh, from you about who you are, what you do, what you like about the show, uh, favorite guests, things like that. We, we get a few emails uh, every week and love reading them and share them with Adam and interacting with our listeners. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to send me a note yet, do it whenever you feel like it. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. This week... I am so excited uh, to to talk to our special guest because uh, I am a, a product user. I am a, a customer of this brand uh, and have been for a long time. I think it's a fascinating business that's going through a lot of transformation and, and what's happening in social media is playing right into his hands. It's all coming together for this gentleman. He is Nick Gillum, who is the senior manager of social media for Lens Crafters. So are you are you nearsighted people? You farsighted people? You social pros listeners with astigmatism, which I just love to say, this is the show for you. We're going to talk about vision, 
eyeglasses, fashion, and social media with Nick. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. Really excited you bet. to talk about social and how that applies to our business. Yeah, we're fired up to have you. Talk a little bit about the LensCrafters company. I think it's a brand that many people are certainly familiar with, have heard of. If you're not in the vision deficient category as I am, perhaps you haven't sampled your wares in the past. So maybe frame it up for our audience in terms of number of locations, uh, franchise versus owned, kind of the, the scope and swath of the business. Yeah, so uh, so LensCrafters was founded back in 1983, uh, and the, the thing that was really interesting uh, about our business and that was really novel was the fact that we combined the, the the retail location where you actually buy your glasses with the lab where they actually manufacture the, the lenses that you need, the, the actual the physical product that you actually need in order to see. Uh, so uh, our founder Dean Butler did that back in 1983, and uh, it, it's been kind of a wild ride for our for our business for over 30 years. We have over a thousand, or uh, we're right at a thousand locations today. Wow, a thousand! Wow. Yes, U.S. and Canada, uh, and uh, you know, and we're we're growing rapidly. We just signed an agreement last year uh, to put uh, lens crafters in over 500 Macy stores over the next five years. So. So you're going to see a lot of rapid growth. You're going to hear, be hearing a lot from us over the next couple of years for sure. And that is remarkable. And for a long time, uh, your positioning was around speed, that the whole appeal was, look, you can get your glasses made in an hour, approximately, something like that. Um, that's no longer sort of the, the umbrella positioning for the brand. Why is that? Did you decide that, that everybody sort of takes speed for granted now? Uh, now you seem to be more around the, the fashion and doing good work kind of approach. How did that shift occur? And maybe that was before you joined the brand. So, yeah, so our positioning has evolved over time for sure. I mean, we, we started, we were founded with the with, uh, one hour uh, as, you know, kind of how we came to the market. But that, that has evolved over time as we've listened to our customers and determined what they needed and also determined what, what the needs of the business were. And so you, in, many, in many stores today, you can still get glasses in an hour and, uh, the, you know, get those lenses. Uh, and some of our stores uh, were providing uh, Providing glasses in seven to ten days. Uh, for sure, our positioning has changed over time. We have uh, the most amazing brands. I mean, if you come into a lens crafter store today, uh, you can get glasses from Ray-Ban, Oakley, Dolce & Gabbana, Prada. Uh, so whatever brand uh, that you feel passionate about, you can get glasses and also be able to see well. I was going to ask you about that. I'm glad you brought it up, Nick, that that as a, a retailer, you really do have a whole house of brands, uh, many brands that, that people would recognize, fashion brands, certainly uh, eyeglass brands, Oakley, Ray-Ban, et cetera, but, but other fashion brands as well. How do you coordinate social media with those brands or, or do you? Do they say, look, uh, in terms of how we handle glasses, lens crafters, you take care of it. Or are you working in concert with the Ray-Ban social media team, for example, to make sure that everybody's on the same page of the playbook? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, you know, the, well, many of these brands are in-house brands such as Ray-Ban and Oakley, and, and we work closely with them, always coordinating with uh, the messaging that they want to share, um, you know, whatever, whether it's a new product, whether it is a new, uh, a new frame that they're debuting. So we're, we're always working closely with them, getting, uh, in some cases, visual assets from them, photography, videos, as well as just how they want to talk about their product. And so we're always working very closely with all of those brands. 
you said you have a, a thousand locations and, and more to come. Uh, I think you've also mentioned that, that Facebook is the most important of the social platforms uh, for lens crafters, at least today. Do you have individual Facebook pages for each store? Uh, if so, why? And if not, how come not? Yeah, that's a great question. We, we are on Facebook because that is where our customers are. You know, we, we've, uh, we're always expanding. We're always looking at different networks. But, but Facebook, you know, is just where, you know, where everyone is, and especially where our customer is who might skew a little bit older. Uh, you know, he or she is always going to be on, on Facebook and we'll be able to find them. Um, um, we do not have individual um, pages for our stores because, uh, you know, there are some stores that have created their own, but uh, we really want to centralize that that messaging and, and keep that all come, come to the market with single, you know, cohesive marketing uh, messages. So so we do have a, just a single Facebook page for for lens crafters. Uh, we historically haven't haven't prevented our stores from creating their own Facebook pages, but uh, uh, but that's not something uh, we uh, uh, we as a company do. Interesting. So, so you allow them to do it. You don't necessarily encourage it, but, but you won't, uh, demand that they don't do it either. That's an interesting approach. You don't see that very often. I think it's, uh, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. And I, that approach may change over time. It's, it hasn't been a focus of it for us right now. There's not a whole lot of them out there. So it's not a major concern for for the moment. Not spiraling out of control yet. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So people, in, in most cases, I think it's fair to say, people do not buy eyeglasses with a great degree of regularity. It's a fairly infrequent purchase. I presume you have data on that. I assume it's every year or two, something like that, or uh, maybe longer for some folks. So consequently, how do you stay top of mind with customers who are not in market for a while yet? Yeah, you're, you're spot on. You know, we're, we're always looking at customers are looking to buy glasses every year or two. As you said, some are kind of stretching that. But mostly, you know, we, ho- we hope our customers will come in every year for their annual eye exam. And if their prescription changes, that they'll consider uh, purchasing new glasses at that time. But, uh, but yeah, you, you bring up a, a great point because, you know, when, when you're not making a purchase, but every once or once every one or two years, uh, you know, you forget. You forget who you went to last um, you know, we, you know, we definitely want to stay top of mind. And one of the ways that we do that is by featuring our, our great frames. You know, uh, we, we, internally, we call this frame candy. This is what get, gets people really excited about glasses is just the, a great new look or a new style. And so that's our, our primary vehicle just to stay top of mind and stay in front of consumers is, is to go out, um, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook, uh, which is those great, um, great pair of glasses that are going to get them excited and maybe thinking about getting that that new eye exam that they need in order to get those glasses. I love everything about the concept of frame candy. That is genius. Uh, so do you, I presume that you're tracking, you know, audience growth in social and you're tracking engagement on individual posts and, and across platforms, et cetera, as, as we all do, do you see a correlation or a causation between we feature this particular frame on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. This was the frame candy of the day or the frame candy of the week. Do you see a subsequent and consequent increase in purchases of that frame at retail? You know, we usually go out with, with a concerted effort on multiple channels between CRM, what we're featuring on our, our website and, you know, what we're doing on social as well as other channels. So it, it's challenging to see the, the direct impact of, of the frames that, you know, that we're featuring in social, but for sure we, we know through uh, through we, we do uh, marketing uh, mix modeling mix, <laughs> marketing mix modeling analysis, 
And, and we know that, that social has a positive impact on, on our bottom line and has a positive ROI. But, but because you're showing the same frame candy in an email or maybe even on television or direct mail or something else, you may in fact see increases in purchases of that frame, but you can't isolate that impact to social because you're using it across the totality of, uh, of your ecosystem. Exactly. We're, you know, when we're yeah. featuring frames in social, those are typically the same handful of frames that we're featuring elsewhere. So, yeah. uh, so we don't actually see like lifted individual SKUs that we can directly correlate to, to social. But, but we know like when we're generating clicks to our website, we know exactly how many of those are coming from social. And so we know who's browsing and, and from what channels they're, they're browsing those frames from for sure. I know you've got a lot of locations in Canada as well. Any difference in how you operate there in terms of the content mix or the social platforms, or, or do you treat it really as a singular North America program? Yeah, it really is a, an extension of, of what we're doing in the U.S., and we treat it as a North American presence for sure. There's a little bit different messaging that we use in Canada, especially as it relates to vision insurance. There, there's some differences. Mm-hmm. In, in the U.S., for example, we have flexible spending accounts, but in Canada, they don't. Uh, they have different concepts. So when we're talking more specifically about getting an eye exam or at the very end of the year, really uh, wanting people to use their vision benefits, we, we do do some different messaging there, but not different channels. We don't have separate uh, profiles for Canada on Facebook or, or anything like that, for sure. I think most people who who ponder the concept of eyeglasses would think that it is a middle age and up demographic that that people as they age their eyes get worse that's a fairly established correlation but there are also many many people who whose eyes go out on them much younger I got my first pair of glasses and then contacts and then glasses again at the age of 16 uh, which made me an infinitely better free throw shooter on the basketball team seemingly overnight um, it's amazing what seeing the rim can do for your shooting percentage um, and so for those people, you actually get involved in some of the social platforms that skew somewhat younger, i.e. Snapchat. I know you just launched uh, your first round of Snapchat lenses with the uh, hashtag SeeGoodDaily program. Can you talk about uh, the lens and the process of putting that together? Because not too many folks on the show have have purchased a lens. So I'd love to know how that worked and kind of how you work with the Snapchat team. Uh, and also just sort of the overall strategy to reach younger consumers on Snapchat for the LensCrafter brand. For sure. I mean, uh, you know, our audience, as we talk, as you discussed, is like, it is older. I mean, you know, you think of that, uh, that, that mom that, or that dad that has, you know, kids at home, the kids may need glasses. You know, she might be getting to an age where she needs glasses and never has in her lifetime, you know, because she, uh, you know, she is uh, developing those signs of old age. Uh, you know, they, they come earlier and earlier, you know, I mean, you know, we're looking at uh, presbyopes, you know, who are those folks that uh, are having uh, the weakening of those muscles in the eye, you know, happening in, in somewhere in the 40s. So, uh, you know, that's our, our core consumer. But uh, I'm glad you brought up Sega Daily because this is a campaign targeted at millennials. We're, we're reaching 18 to 24 year olds because that's an age that's really important for contact lens wearers. Um, that's a point that if you do need glasses earlier in life, you might make that uh, choice to switch to contact lenses and you're likely going to carry that decision on through the rest of your life. So we wanted to reach customers at an earlier age when they're making those decisions, when they're you know, in high school, as they're transitioning college, maybe, you know, those first relationships, those long-term relationships, they're making these decisions. So that's why uh, we launched the Sega Daily campaign. And uh, as you mentioned, we have, we did have our first uh, Snapchat lens, which was really exciting. 
went out on this past Sunday, and it was all that campaign is all about seeing the good in the world. So one of the key insights that we have about millennials is that you know, as, as many other marketers who are talking to millennials, is that they, they want to work with a company that has a social conscience, that has, um, you know, that's all about positive messaging. And so that's what this campaign is all about. It's how uh, daily con disposable contact lenses can really help you see the good in the world and, um, and how that, how that uh, kind of plays out. So we did work with the Snapchat team and our agency who does all of our media buying came to us with that opportunity to, to do that one day. It's a 24 hour buy on Snapchat and you're in that very first position on the lenses. So as you're transforming your face at the very beginning, as you're, as you're taking that photo, you're transforming your face and uh, we appear in that very first position. Uh, the Snapchat team is amazing. They, they're super hands-on. They help us with concepting it. We work with a creative agency. They help us with concepting and then they actually build it out for you. So they actually do the development work. They show you a couple rounds of storyboards and then a video mock-up and then finally deploy it on the day that you choose. That is absolutely incredible, Nick. I'm curious how you worked with Snapchat to kind of measure the uh, the efficacy of the uh, the overall program. I mean, you're, you're in such a great position with something like like a Snapchat because your product is on the face. I mean, that it's, uh -huh. just, it's just such a perfect you know peas and carrots, as I think Forrest Gump uh, would, would say. How did you measure kind of whether this was an effective program? Obviously, for awareness and brand recognition, it had to be extremely exciting. But were you able to actually show attribution towards people coming into LensCraft? after stores and, and picking up new frames? So uh, it was just uh, a couple days ago, but we do have some initial results. And Snapchat has come a long way with uh, their measurement. Uh, we didn't work with them previously, but they, they've really been working on, on building in uh, those metrics that, that marketers want to see. And so we know, for example, how many plays were, were used. So when, you know, when you're first looking at it and you're testing it out, how many people played it? how many people ended up using it, and then how many people saw it as a result of it being pushed out to stories and in one-to-one -one snaps. So we have all of those metrics, and we are super excited. We, they they pro, uh, proposed uh, or told us that we would reach a large number of fans, and we actually tripled the goal for that uh, one-day campaign. Wow. Well, whenever you triple anything, that's usually a, a pretty good thing. You know, Nick, as I was thinking about uh, you coming on on the show today, as I was I was preparing last night, I, I got really excited because I really think what you're doing at LensCrafters is such a perfect microcosm for for what for, for what what Jay and I do and what so many of our listeners are trying to do. So I really kind of want to get down into the weeds of, of of some of the things that you're doing because I think it's so exciting. You know, I know personally, I go to the eye doctor about every year or two uh, and get new frames. You know, pretty much on that on that same time schedule. Obviously, an organization like LensCrafters knows who I am. You know, I come in there, I have my prescription, that you have my insurance, you've got my uh, credit card information, you got you know where I live. And LensCrafters has always been masterful, I think, at, at sending me you know, coupons and reminders and things like that. I'm curious how you're beginning to kind of integrate social into that, that, that cadence. So if you know, for example, that every year or two, I go to the eye doctor and I get new frames, is there a way that you can begin to associate Adam Brown, you know, Austin, Texas, who has astigmatism and, and one eye to at Adam CB on Twitter or my Facebook account so that you can begin to have an interaction with me there? Do we get into a challenge of, uh, you know, doing with, you know, any healthcare record type issues or, you know, what, how, how do you balance all that? It seems like a, such an, an op a huge opportunity. 
It is. You're right. We do have a, a large amount of information about you, and, and we know how often you're coming in, and we also know how often we would recommend that you come in. So we're, we're sending you those direct mail pieces. We're sending you those emails. Uh, if you're on our website and looking at a frame and you choose to move on, if, if you've authenticated into the site, then we're, we're sending you reminder emails, and that's all on our CRM team. We have, in the past year, started to do some testing uh, with integrating CRM data into into social and especially on Facebook, it's been incredibly effective at uh, driving those, those online to offline sales. And, um, and regarding the, uh, the issue of privacy, we actually work with Salesforce uh, to with your active audiences product in order to to mitigate a lot of those privacy issues and to also link up to to the Facebook audience and the Twitter audience to connect those profiles. And, and thank you, for, thank you for being a customer. And again, I think you, what you're doing in that space uh, with retargeting and active audiences and, and like audiences and custom audiences on Facebook, I think is is really where we're starting to see so many brands going where they're recognizing, hey, we've got to do some, you know, we've got to continue our earned and organic activities in social, but we've got to do some paid, paid activities as well. How do you balance those those two things? I'm, I'm going to guess you're kind of the social media person on the Lens Crafters marketing team. You've got colleagues who manage, you know, direct mail or traditional TV broadcasts, maybe SEO, SEM activities. How do you reconcile kind of how you work with them, how you're able to kind of slice out a budget for your social activities? And even when within that, how do you determine kind of what we're going to spend on actual content and production versus paid and, and amplification? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, I, I do have separate budgets uh, that, that are already carved out. I'm very lucky in that way that when, when I came to the team, they were already thinking about, uh, you know, how much we needed to be spending in social, both for content production, uh, as well as, as the media to actually get that message out. You know, as we know, on most networks, organic is all but dead. So, I mean, paid is such, uh, such a, a key piece of everything I do. And so, you know, we're always looking at the paid strategy that we're going to attach to any content as, as soon as we share it. Um, you know, a lot of our focus is on generating new customers and, and bringing kind of people into the family that, uh, you know, that aren't those core customers. So that's a, a key role of social. And I'm using paid in order to reach those audiences through their interests, uh, especially on Facebook and other platforms. Uh, we, we just joined one of the one of the really exciting things of this year is we're joining, we joined Instagram and been live on that channel for about three months now. And uh, that's one of the key places where uh, organic might not be, uh, might, might not be dead. We're, we're still reaching a very large audience, even though we have a small uh, following to start with. We're really building that up and really focusing on the organic there. Well, when you have frame candy, I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Organic still still going to work. Well, to, to that point of bringing in a new uh, new customers and, and new consumers, you know, you as, as as Jay introduced you, you talked about really how Lens Crafters was such a trendsetter and this idea of starting with that moniker, that unique selling proposition of eyeglasses in about an hour, and how you completely transformed the the industry with with new technology and something that was distinctive. Right now and today, you have, have something that's kind of almost that transformational, and that is your, your Clarify uh, new technology, which, again, is, is really revolutionizing this. And, and I've, I've seen your TV ads, and I've seen what you've been talking about you know, in, in, in social media about the Clarify technology. I'm curious, you know, as you look at the consideration funnel 
for uh, for one of your customers who's you know thinking, okay, I need to go to the eye doctor, I need to go get you know, my eyes checked, I need to buy new frames. Where do I go? Certainly, knowing about new technology is a big part of that. So, where does the education and uh, frame candy and informative uh, information that you share in social kind of fit into that consideration funnel? And are you able yet to kind of show attribution to actually people walking into the stores? from the activities you're doing, be it your Snapchat, be it Instagram, be it all the great traditional things you're doing on Facebook? Yeah, you know, technology is a huge part of what we're talking about in social. And, you know, the Clarify Eye exam, I'm glad you've seen our commercials. That was an amazing TV shot that our agency produced for us. Yeah, cool ad. I love those ads where everything happens in real time, or at least you think things are happening in real time. Well, actually, most of that was real. That was uh, those were all props. Uh, there was just a little bit of CGI added at the end, but uh, uh, much of that actually what was was on set and actually happened. Uh, as so, um, so yeah, uh, we'll, we'll make sure to link that up in the show notes too. We'll embed it into the um, uh, into the show so folks haven't seen the shot uh, and the spot that uh, Nick and Ed referencing. Go to socialpros.com, grab the episode. You'll both see it there. Awesome. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, no. Uh, and then, so as, as we were working on the TV commercial, we were definitely thinking about social as well and how that concept of the transformation from old to new could play out in social, whether it's through video, whether it's through, uh, through Instagram, you know, looking at uh, carousel ads or other types of ads. So, uh, so we are we're t- always testing every single new ad product that comes out there and see if it's an effective way to share a message. We uh, we actually created a uh, Facebook Canvas ad in support of that campaign as well. So you can watch the commercial, and then you can learn more about the new technology. Nick, I've got one more last question for you before I hand it back over to uh, to Jay. And I think it's something that, that all of us um, who do marketing, product marketing, kind of wrestle with. And that is... You know whether or not, as we do our you know uh, social media content, do we show our product kind of as a hero shot? So in your case, just a, a pair of frames, you know, on kind of a white background, or is it better to have it in more lifestyle shots where you have it on a mo- model and maybe that model is doing something? What have you found, at least for for your industry, is more effective at driving those engagements and driving the actions that that you want to be able to measure? Yeah, it, you're, you're spot on. It, it, it's something that we have been kind of working our way into uh, because we've always had uh, these product shots that were beautiful. Uh, one of the concerns that we have is if you start showing it on a model, is the, the customer not going to, is that not going to resonate with the customer? Right? They can't if imagine themselves wearing them. Yeah. Exactly. And so some of our top performing posts are just the, the standard product detail posts where we show the amazing uh, elements of a frame, whether that's the jewels that are on the side or or the colors and showing the, those close up shots. So, you know, I, I can I'm thinking through like my top three posts of all time. And they're all that that product detail post where we get in and show that detail without showing it on figure. Uh, that being said, I, I think, you know, platforms, especially like Instagram, we need to show that lifestyle. We need to show how how that product fits into your world. And so we're, we're testing our way into, you know, what what really resonates with consumers, what kind of, of models, you know, how do we how do we show those in environments where that's really going to resonate? 
speaking of resonating with our audience, I hope that this week's sponsors of the Social Pros Podcast here on episode number 241 resonate with you. First, I want to talk about our friends at Yext and their new integration with Uber. This is a perfect opportunity for our friend Nick at LensCrafter. This is literally a perfect uh, case for this concept. So the idea is... You go to the website, lenscrafters.com, mobile app, et cetera, and you say, hey, I want to go to that store, and you click a button that's embedded in the site that says, call me an Uber to get there. When the Uber arrives on your way to the store, the Yext system integrated with Uber allows a brand manager, a social media manager, a content marketing manager to serve up hyper-relevant content to the potential customer while they're in the Uber on the way to the store. So the example in the integration launch was with Guitar Center. Somebody says, I want to go to Guitar Center. While they're in the car, the Guitar Center location is showing them real-time inventory of what's in that store so they can see what kind of mandolins or drum sets are available. The same thing is certainly possible for somebody like LensCrafters. While they're in the car, they can look at inventory. They can get tips for how to select the best frame, et cetera which maybe it gets them in and out the door more quickly. It's really cool technology. It's free to the brand. It's free to the consumer. No money changes hands at all. It's just great content marketing. So check that out. It's a new integration from our partners at Yext and Uber. Go to yext.com slash Uber, yext.com slash Uber. Also this week, uh, our friends at Emma, we talked about email uh, a little bit ago and how Nick and his team are using Frame Candy in email as well as in social. A great ebook from our friends at Emma about how to make a beautiful emails. It's called 11 Email Designs That People Can't Resist. They can't resist them. 11 email designs that people can't resist. Beautiful examples, really interesting, based on brain science, not just graphic design principles. Cool stuff. Go to bit.ly slash email brain. That's bit.ly slash email brain, all lowercase, to download that for free. And, of course, this week, our friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud, who have the wisdom to continue to pay Adam Brown, they have an amazing platform called Advertising Studio. We talked about paid social just a moment ago with Nick from LensCrafters. Look, paid social is a hassle because you got to log into a bunch of places, you get all these reports, you get all these custom audiences that don't talk together because Facebook's got a platform and then Instagram's kind of half the same and then Twitter's got its own deal. So what Advertising Studio allows you to do is manage all your paid in one place, use one set of audiences, one set of tracking, one set of targeting, one set of reports. It's pretty slick. Go to bit.ly slash advertising studio. That's bit.ly slash advertising studio, all lowercase to learn how you can save time and money on your paid social programs. Adam, back to you. Uh, senior uh, manager of social media marketing for Lens Crafters. So great to uh, to have you on on the show. One of the things that really I think was interesting to me about your background, um, which is maybe perhaps a little bit different, certainly different than kind of Jay and, and, and myself, but but different from from some of the people who may be uh, listening, is that you got your start not kind of on the journalism side or the advertising or PR or broadcast side, but on in IT. And, you know, one of the interesting things that I like talking about, in fact, uh, Jay and I talked uh, uh, with, uh, with, with, with our, with our uh, guests last week, um, was this right brain versus left brain. You know, the, the, the evolution of, of marketing has, has transformed more to be more focused on that, that left brain, that analytical side of, of looking at things where technology and analytics and data are just as important as the great story and the, and the great idea. I'd love to hear Nick kind of how you think that this impacts you as a social media marketer and you know how do you how do you approach things perhaps maybe a little bit differently than your other colleagues uh, in marketing there at lens crafters or at your agencies yeah I, it, it's it's a different uh, transition that our evolution that i've had in my career than a lot of my my colleagues and others in the industry 
I started my career when I was going to school. It was at the, the height of the, the dot-com bubble, and I, I wanted to get a, be a part of that. So I actually started out as a computer science major. I realized that probably wasn't the, the right fit for me. Uh, finally found a home in IT and, and worked in IT for 10 years. Uh, but you know, I love the analytical part of that. But what, what I loved even more was when I started meeting tons of digital marketers and really felt like these were my people. And I, as I dug deeper and deeper, I realized that it had the perfect mix of those left brain and right brain activities so that I could dig into the metrics. And uh, sometimes I'm you know, troubleshooting technical issues, whether it's tagging on a site or, uh, or you know, troubleshooting lots of issues. So I'm using a lot of those project management skills and those analytical skills that, that I developed uh, during my time in, in that field. But now I'm able to also come in and advise on, on creative and how do we take the learnings uh, from what's performed well and apply that to, to the creative that we're helping to develop. So I found a really nice sweet spot uh, where I'm able to not, you know, kind of work across the, the, the entire landscape and, you know, get to dive deep in a bunch of different areas and not, not be too pigeonholed into one area, being an analyst or being a creative. Sure. Well, and I think all of us in, in the social media space inevitably we'll have to work with our RT colleagues at, at some point. Uh, if, if we're at a corporate level, we've got to work with IT to get new technology or, or our new software or working with kind of IT procurement uh, to get those, those, those pieces of technology that we need to be able to, uh, to do our jobs. Any, anything, you know, I, and I would assume that you probably have, because of your experience in IT, you kind of know how to speak with them. You know, you can be almost that ombudsman, if you will, and kind of try to be a little bit more unbiased and, and work with those parts of the organization to give you the tools and the resources that you need then to be able to do, as you said, the right brain and the left brain side of, of the activities at LensCrafters. Yeah, and I don't uh, work as much directly with IT, but I work with definitely with our e-commerce team and, and our web teams, and I'm able to speak their language because I have created web pages in the past and have dug into the technology that's behind those web pages. Uh, you know, so I'll frequently be working with them to, uh, to to create new pages for us and working with them on on the requirements for those pages so that we have a place to drive activity in social. Um, you know, that's one of the frequent ways that I'm, that I'm working with those teams. And when you work with those e-commerce folks, are you doing any kind of data sharing? I would assume that, for example, if I'm on the e-commerce side or even the merchandising side of LensCrafters, and you're able to put up a, a certain frame um, on, on Instagram or Facebook, and it just, it just goes through the roof in terms of engagement, that would be data that would, they would, would like to know so they can make sure that they have the inventory. Uh, maybe you, you see that it's a, a more regional thing from the, you know, from the chatter, and you're able then to make sure that those particular stores have those frames in stock. Are you doing any of those types of things yet, or is that something that's that's more aspirational? Um, and and you know, as as we often talk about here on the show, is you know, sharing those social listening insights with all these other different parts of the organization. For sure, we're we're constantly watching for which of the frames that are going to pop, and and I can I, when I create a post, I can almost with, with at least a ninety to ninety five percent. Uh, you know, level of accuracy, predict whether a post is, is going to do well. And so I'm constantly working with uh, our product procurement team to advise them on these are the things that are really working in social for us. And so can we get more of those? Um, you know, so that's one of the ways that we're giving a lot of feedback. We recently introduced uh, blue, our blue IQ lens, which is uh, filters out the blue light from your electronic devices, whether it's, you know, using your phone in bed at night or your computer. 
And we, we used a lot of listening uh, to how the chatter was playing out on Twitter and other platforms to help decide whether to launch that product and uh, to how to position it. Nick, I've got one last question for before I, I, I hand over to, uh, to to Jay here, and that is kind of around timing. Um, every product, every service kind of has a seasonality, and you already mentioned, at least here in the United States, flexible spending accounts and things like that, and I can always remember, you know, around this time of the year, you start getting the notes, hey, you, you, if you have HSA or FSA dollars, you know, go ahead and spend it, and typically for me, that means, oh boy, I get new frames. How do you kind of look at the year and, and look at those kind of moments in time, whether it's kind of a, a back to school for the kids or your FSA of money at the end of the year, are there seasons upon which you find, or is it, is it more kind of around the fashion periods, um, seasons of time where you see and ramp up your activities, or do you kind of try to do that, that standard cadence, drip, drip, drip of, of kind of keeping things constant throughout the year? We're definitely dripping, drip, drip, dripping throughout the year, but there are those periods where we see large spikes in our business, and we, we try to respond to that in social as well. Uh, you mentioned that use your benefits period, uh, you know, especially as, as, as consumers are getting at the very end of the year. You know, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're in Thanksgiving, you're doing your holiday shopping, and then you get to Christmas. And, you know, it's now December 26th and you realize, oh, my God, I, I didn't spend my, my flexible spending account. Oh, I have 400 bucks in there. I better spend right? it. And a, a lot of people don't realize that they can come into our stores and buy, you know, designer fashion uh, sunglasses with their prescription in them or get a new pair of glasses. And so, you know, as they learn that, then they're coming in. And those are some of our busiest weeks of the year uh, at the very end of the year. And as they get new uh, new vision benefits at the very beginning of the year, uh, you know, the first quarter is a big time for us as people are getting their tax refunds and figuring out, you know, those, those purchases they need to make with that money. And as you mentioned, back to school is a huge time, time period for us. They're, the schools are doing vision screenings. And so the kids are coming in needing full uh, eye exams. And, you know, just that it's part of that cycle of, you know, doing physicals for sports, getting the eye exam. Uh, we do see a big spike right in that back to school time period as well. Nick, I love what you're doing at LensCrafters. Fantastic collection of programs, uh, you know, making it work in all the different platforms, including Snapchat. Love the conversation about your lens as well. Uh, super excited about frame candy. Going to use that term. That would even be the headline of the show. Uh, might be some, something related. I'm going to have to put frame candy into the headline uh, at some point. Just, it just has to happen. So look for that. You'll be able to Google it. Later. I'm gonna, we could probably rank pretty well for frame candy uh, on, on Google. Let's, uh, let's make that happen. Nick, thanks very much for being here. I'm going to ask you the two questions that we ask every single guest on the show, uh, including right here on episode 241. First question, what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? Uh, I, I think, you know, it's just getting in there and, uh, you know, working on the platforms, you know, in, in your own personal life. Um, you know, that's how I really got into social was, uh, you know, was really getting being passionate about Twitter back in 2007, 2008, when, when the platform was emerging and just using it myself. I wasn't even considering a career in marketing at the time. Uh, you know, I just started using it myself. And then, you know, I started uh, working for some, you know, doing some freelance work. And that that's how it became a career for me, along with all of my experience and all of my schooling. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's kind of hard to to weigh in on a platform if you've never used the platform or certainly not rolled around in it. So there's certainly platforms that I prefer over others. And, and that list tends to reorder itself every six months or so. But I think you have to roll around in there and at least get a sense for the mechanics in order to have a, a relevant conversation about the pluses and minuses. Exactly. And for me, it's a big red flag when someone doesn't have a personal profile, when they're not on Instagram themselves, when they're not on, you know, they they say, oh, I don't have a Facebook page or I'm not on Twitter. To me, that's a red flag for someone in the industry. Yeah. So people who say, I hate sushi, like if you have sushi, no. And I'm like, well, bro, you lose your (laughs) license to complain at this point. Exactly. Last question for Nick Gillum, who runs social media for Lens Crafters. If you could do a Skype call, with any living person, who would it be and why? Wow, that is that is a huge question. Um, one that I am obviously not prepared to answer. Um, I would I would say I, I would want to talk to probably Mark uh, Zuckerberg at this point, just to understand you know where he sees the world of social media, just because he controls so much of it. I, I would love to chat with him and just hear his thoughts for sure. I love it. A conversation, a frank conversation about organic reach with Mark Zuckerberg. Exactly. Would like, I would pay to, pay to tune in. <laughs> Even a webinar, I would tune in for that. Does Zuckerberg, what if he has contacts? Anybody know that? You got any idea? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, that's definitely something I'll look into for sure. Just send him some stuff. Just send him some product, man. Maybe yeah. he shows up on that, you know, does a Facebook live video. You never know. It's or an influencer program. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that, but usually we, we close the show here, but there's a question I want to ask you. Do you do much influencer work with, with uh, either you know, true celebrities or, or micro-influencers and say, hey, uh, here's some frames we think would look good on you. Just FYI, maybe you want to wear these. Yeah, there, there's a lot of influencer work going on across the company. I mean, our frame brands are, are constantly reaching out to those celebrities. Yeah. Uh, in, in my world, I am reaching out more to the, those Instagram influencers who might have 20, 30, up to maybe half a million followers. Uh, and we, we have some great partners that we work with in order to, uh, you know, to get the word out of, about, you know, we're just trying to raise awareness about lens crafters. And we're letting, uh, in many cases, we're letting them choose the frames that look best on them. So... We'll provide them with a, a gift card to go in and purchase some frames and, and then post that on their, on their social profiles. We've been doing a ton of work with that over the last year, for sure. Yeah, it's terrific. I, you know, you could get some of those great photographers and sort of a frame candy contest, right? Everybody gets the same frame, like, okay, what's your best photo of this frame? It'd be fun. Yeah, that's great. That's a great idea. Nick, thanks so much for being on the show. Loved having you. Uh, congratulations on all the success. Hope to catch up to you face-to-face here at some point in the near future. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for episode 241. As I mentioned, don't forget to send me an email, j at jbear.com. Always fantastic to hear from our listeners, and Adam and I uh, love to interact with you, so take advantage of that. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to leave us a review on iTunes, we'd be most uh, grateful if you had an opportunity to do that as well. Helps the show. Uh, And again, as I mentioned at the top, uh, thank you to each and every one of you for the all-time record month here, uh, almost five years into the show, and last month was the most downloads we've ever had of the show, so we keep on trucking, and that's because of you. Thanks so much. This is Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. He's Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and we'll catch you next. Thanks for tuning in to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Emma, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext. 
and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Social Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by Audio